0: Okay, so Parv, guess how much was a 30-second ad spot for the Super Bowl game worth? I don't know. Was it like half a mil, maybe $1
1: million? Welcome to Sipping Socrates, where we have a warm Socratic discussion over a cup of coffee. We are Manan and Parv. Today is February 18th, and we will be talking about advertising and branding. Okay, so Parv,
0: I totally got you on the first question right there. I don't know if you're going to believe this, but it was worth $7 million.
1: $7 million for a 30-second ad spot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it's a different discussion whether you think it's worth it or not. But the point is, advertising and branding has a significant impact on how we view products and how we consume them. Dude, that's
1: bonkos. I still can't get my head around the $7 million for 30 seconds. But you raised the correct... um, The correct question when you say advertising and branding do play a very important role in our lives today and have been playing very important roles in our life and our behavior as consumers for a while now.
0: Absolutely. And considering the fact that the Super Bowl Bowl is one of the most watched sporting events in all of the calendar year, I think... It makes sense. I mean, think about the number of people that would be exposed to your product. It's just sometimes hilarious because the Super Bowl also has like cultural significance in uh, like a normal average American life, right? Like everyone it's like a family event and you watch all these comical advertisements just blowing up some crazy, crazy, some very bizarre stuff. Um, but recently, I also heard that Prime, uh, Logan Paul and KSI's drink uh, showed up in you know the Super Bowl, and now also is a official drink for MMA and for Arsenal football
1: team. So, what do you think about that? About Prime, I'm sorry if you if you really like Prime, but I think it's absolutely bullshit. <laughs> it's such a bad drink, bro. It's marketed towards nothing. Well, isn't isn't Prime? Uh, about marketing themselves as a minimal sugar and very high electrolytes. Drink. Yeah, so they had a thing, right? They, uh, I mean,
0: look, for people who follow Logan Paul, Logan Paul always keeps comparing uh, Prime to Gatorade and how it has minimum minimal sugar, minimal calories, and so many more electrolytes. But, I mean, that's a whole separate discussion. The idea is how did two people who are gamers... Who were shooting, I don't know, in their family's basement, playing video games, turned into such big superstars. I think advertising and branding oneself is such a huge a- aspect. And I, I know one thing that we talked about, Parv, uh, the other day was how Jordan Belfort views sales uh, and how he tries to advertise his uh, selling techniques
1: what a legend bro jordan belford the wolf of the wall street one of my favorite favorite movies of all time the the screenplay by leonardo the direction the story everything's so on point i love that movie yeah what well, what's your favorite scene from the movie if i may ask uh
0: i mean it had some pretty wild scenes right parv like uh the entire like you know, drug shebang, substance abuse and how uh, there's this whole culture behind Wall Street uh, bankers uh, and investment uh, brokers, just sort of hookers and strippers left, right and center creating this corporate culture of like high adrenaline and like, you know, just high stake uh, environment. But I think one of the most significant points from the movie is how he manages to draw in his uh demographic of who he's selling he sold penny stocks right to the world's richest uh men at the at that time and how he could sell something as unattractive as penny stocks on the wall street is still so insane to think about um i think one of the things that stuck to me after watching the movie was h- what his interpretation was of selling and how he used sell me a pen, uh, in quotation marks, as, uh, as a way to encourage sellers and bro- brokers to think about what
1: selling actually means. Yeah, so in the movie, uh, Jordan ad- constantly advertises and advocates for these uh, quote-unquote penny stocks. And these absolutely shit below, below the trash underneath, hidden somewhere, these stocks that were nowhere to be found on any exchange. He picks them up because you get high commission on on those and advertises them and talks them up in such a way that they're one of the finest corporations in the world. They're doing great. The growth prospects are amazing. Invest now, Read the... Uh, reap the benefits later it really talks about and um, it really talks about how we as consumers are so unaware of the things we buy and the things we trust in and the energy and the power of of word of mouth right yeah if, if someone just tells us that something is amazing and that person remotely holds a, a place of authority comes from a place of authority because you as a cognitive science major, would know say nothing about the finance world. If today I per come to you, say, hey, man, I'm have been studying finance for the last three years. Uh, stock market is my jazz. I, I I wake up the first thing I do is read the Wall Street Journal. I go to bed, and the last thing I do is the read the Wall Street Journal again and prepare for the next week's journal and uh, and think about stocks and all of the the crazy ratios. And you are very susceptible to make mistake mistake of buying my recommendations even though you might know nothing about them. So the movie really speaks to lens and discusses this theme of false advertising. But coming to the very popular cut scene, except for the Margot Robbie scene, <laughs> uh, coming to the very popular scene of the movie, when at the table um uh leonardo says sell me this pen uh what are your what What was your interpretation of the scene
0: so obviously there are different approaches to selling right like we see that on the table where uh, him and his mates are, are just having like i don't know just some food or some dinner or something and one guy what, what he does is he literally uh takes the pen away from jordan belford when he asks um That person or sell me this pen. And then he asks Jordan to sign on a check. And obviously Jordan now doesn't have the pen, right? And then he goes like, here's the pen. And he like gives him back the pen. And so that's the idea of supply and demand, right? So he he goes like, you create a need for that product. And that's how most modern companies sort of advertise and brand and try to reach their audience market um by cre by so-called creating a need right and so that's one way to go about it but what jordan belford actually is trying to get at is most novice and amateur sellers um or salesmen should i say try to focus on pushing this one product uh towards a a consumer without really knowing his or her needs right like like you said like it's so we are also susceptible to consumerism as an idea we're also susceptible to just trying to uh, gauge whether or not we really need this product and we are often intimidated and influenced by a lot of people around us so what jordan is trying to say is isn't it just easier if you ask the right people the right questions To gauge an idea of what they actually need or desire or want or, you know, even their spending capacity to some extent. And just target your salesmanship and your effort and your time into selling these people who need it. Um, And I believe Apple tries to create this need. Like Apple tries to, you know, out of thin air, come up with uh, a product that you suddenly... Never knew you needed it before. Did not know the functionality of this product before, but suddenly feel this urge to invest in a product that is
1: now so appealing to you. How do you think Apple does that? Um, what you just said, it reminds me, it takes me back to freshman year when I took Business 101, actually. There was one reading that we had to do, which most people probably didn't do, but it being my first semester in college and me being the kid that I am, I did every reading... To make sure I'm on top, prepare uh, for classes and everything. So I read this reading and it talked about Walkman, the Sony first Walkman. So it said that before that, people used to have vinyls, right? And then um, these, these, these huge systems that would play music at home. And no one really that they wanted to listen to music while running or no everyone was living by a happy living a happy life everyone was happy with listening to music at home and party and restaurants and and the theaters but no one ever thought of this need to listen to music on the go no one came to these companies and asked if i could have this portable vinyl bit or something but then comes sony and innovates and gives people the sony walkman which like its name is uh, a walking friendly music listening device. And the, and the re and the reason that they told us the story, the reading told us the story was because it wanted us to know that business people are not just transaction makers, they're also transaction creators. Our job is not only for two parties to exchange, but to give one party what they didn't even think they needed and satisfying those needs. And that is what innovation is going to a person without them knowing that they need something and solving that problem for them that they didn't know even existed. Mm -hmm. That I think is one big part. Of how companies like Apple As you just mentioned Are advertising themselves today Right Like no one felt the need To check their pulse rate while swimming Everyone was fine going about it Well today people can do that They can swim with their Apple watches on And tell what their pulse rate is Now what do they do with that information? Absolutely nothing it's, This information is as useless to them As 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 um, as as a pen for a person who does not know how to write but people just like knowing stuff for some reason
0: right and uh, it's, it's so funny how you mentioned about the pulse rate I was just <laughs> uh, have you ever noticed this thing where you're working out and you're on the treadmill and time passes by so much slower because you're at such a high pace uh, when you're like trying to run on the treadmill you're just waiting for time to go faster and faster but I think to some extent, like advertising products and their functionality is useful. But again, when we talk about Apple, Steve jobs had this very particular mindset about how he wanted, um, things to be right. Like the entire Macintosh, for example, he kept his team of engineers for like excruciatingly long hours just to perfect that font, for example, or just to perfect that logo or just to perfect colors on, on, you know, the startup screen or whatever it is. And obviously being a team of engineers, you're confused, right? Like the technical stuff is there, but he did not seem to care about the technical stuff. That's Steve Wozniak's job. And so having read the Steve Jobs biography and watching his, the adaptation of the movie as well, um, it was so interesting to see him go about paying such close and intricate effort into and detail into, I mean, effort into like perfecting detail. Um, Like to some extent, we should think that these resources that are invested in marketing right now uh, are falling into the risk of, I don't know, perhaps not being as effectively used or, um, To put it simply, to what extent do you feel like investing on marketing or advertising just the product itself
1: is important? Well, companies have a huge, huge advertising and promotion budget. Uh, And more so for companies that really depend on individual customers and not other businesses so b2b companies don't really um don't really invest maybe that much but companies that need to have a strong band brand recognition and need to develop that brand strength between individual consumers they have to invest a lot i i remember we are we have been making a discounted cash flow analysis for for this company that um that's called prestige and their advertising uh budget went to up to as much as 10 percent of the revenue and on a billion dollars of revenue you're sitting at 100 million spent at advertising that's huge and that's probably and prestige is a mid-sized company so so these bigger companies or bigger growth prospect companies, for example, KSI that you just mentioned, they spent $7 million for 30 seconds of advertising. And that's huge. Companies nowadays are doing amazingly weird things and weirdly amazing things to advertise themselves. And so there
0: are different types of marketing and advertising as well, right? Like, for example, KSI's. and I feel like we are just, uh, we're doing free marketing for them (laughs) at this point. We are not sponsored, guys. We're not sponsored by Prime. But, uh, KSI's prime is... We're open to
1: being sponsored. So KSI, <laughs> if you want to hit me up, so you can send me an email at sippingsocrates at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, didn't quick, drop you, Manu. Quick, quick plug there. But no, uh, that's the type of testimonial
0: advertising. right? I know uh, celebrities like Kylie Jenner do this all the time, where they're uh, open to brand deals and sponsorships, uh, testifying to the quality of the product. Um, and then you have false advertising to some extent, I think that plays such a huge role in what's happening right now. Like, I I keep thinking back to the Coca-Cola and, you know, uh, smoking uh, campaigns now. Like, how do you managed to convince so many billions of people around the world that this is something that they can actually do. And regardless of the fact that, uh, you know, um, artificial sweeteners and that Pepsi syrup itself or Coke syrup itself so many years ago used to be used for something completely different. I don't know if you know this part, but this was used as medicine um, back in the uh, 40s and the 50s. and you know there were some rumors about it having some some amount of cocaine in it as well and this is so interesting like how do you how do you take something that was used as medicine and, and you know supplied to um you know people in the navy and people in the army uh, to help them keep awake and keep them productive and on top of things even when there was war or like times where they did not have enough rest or sleep or whatever to now such a huge drink that is consumed by millions around around the world. Like how do you advertise a product in a way that regardless of what it actually is, fills in a need or creates a need for people?
1: So false advertising and this idea of of telling people that you really need to watch this has been widespread on youtube in my opinion in the form of clickbait yeah there's so much clickbait everywhere on the internet and um, when you when you mentioned coke i i thought of pepsi and uh, and and this past week i was uh, when this past week i was watching this documentary on netflix it's called pepsi where is my jet with my roommates and the document is about this massive campaign that uh, Pepsi ran, and it was about Pepsi points. So I believe a six-pack of Pepsi was worth maybe like 12 Pepsi points. I might be wrong there. I might have to do a fact check on it. But a certain amount of Pepsi's were worth a certain amount of Pepsi points, and then you can redeem those points for, for Pepsi merch, for more Pepsi drinks, for, for several other things. And as a joke, in that ad campaign that they have, they plugged in, uh, in the TV commercial, in 7 million Pepsi points, you'll get a Harrier jet. Now, that was just exaggerating, right? But because Pepsi did not know that there would be some bonkers guy who would come up with 7 million Pepsi points and then ask for a Harrier jet, which which is worth $30, 30 to $32 million dollars at the time. But someone actually did it. Someone actually went ahead and found $700,000 of investment money, got all of those points, and then sent Pepsi a form in which, because it was a check-in form, right? So this dude made a box, wrote Harrier Jet next to it, and checked that, and sent it to Pepsi. Um... I did not finish the documentary, so I don't know how it ended. But that happened. So clickbait, false advertising—it's—it's it's inherently part of the internet now, and um, and it's amazing how many people actually still fall into that. So have have you ever been part of a clickbait? Have you ever fallen into? Oh that? yeah, absolutely. I think.
0: The thing about clickbait is that it appeals to the emotions of people, right? People are always so interested in drama. I mean, so many of our friends and sometimes us ourselves, we're so excited about things that happen in our lives, and so when something is exciting, you create an air of mist, create an air of mystery around it, and so essentially, that is what becomes a clickbait right you're creating an air of mystery around a topic that appeals to you um and you know sort of relating to this there's a phenomenon in psychology called the bandwagon effect i'm sure you've heard of it and i think false advertising and clickbait use the bandwagon effect to drive so much attention towards topics that we did not know exist and and now if they do are suddenly very excited about so in the bandwagon effect it's essentially if you are uh, behaving a certain way or act towards a stimulus in a certain way um you are more likely to influence other people around you to also be the same way and so i think this raises such an important discussion about whether advertising and branding is only for products or can it also be for people, Parv? Because I feel like every time you appear for a job interview, every time you dress up a certain way to go to the bars or every time you talk to other people, just like how we are doing right now, we try to come off a certain way. And so perhaps what we've been doing is branding or advertising ourselves in a certain way to appeal
1: to certain people. I completely agree I couldn't agree more to be honest we're completely advertising and promoting ourselves every second we're alive to all the peers that we have to all the colleagues that we have to all the relatives that we have we always want to be our best self that is why people invest in buying clothes you want to you want to present yourself in the best way possible you want to you want to sound the smartest person in this room even if you're not you want to sound smart you want to you want to feel polished you want to act polished you want to know all the table manners when you go to that five-star hotel. You wanna you wanna use all the different kind of the five different kind of spoons and the five different kind of folks that they have. You you, you always want to do that. And um, one big example of that might be Elon Musk. That man is not just a man, he's a brand at this point. Elon Musk is a big brand. I'm not talking about Tesla as a brand, I'm talking about Elon Musk as a brand. Elon Musk's brand is this goofy Happy go lucky, carefree person who has this massive fuck you attitude towards the entire planet. This dude does not care about anything and wants and perceives himself as if he is playing cards with an entire deck in his hands. He has all the 52 cards lined up. For every move that you have, he has the perfect, uh, perfect rebuttal. What do you think of that? Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely. I think that's a perfect example. And going back to what we said, this contrasts so much with what Jordan Belfort said, right? right? At the start of the podcast. Jordan Belfort, we were talking about how he says, ask questions to people that you want to sell to. And here you have Elon Musk, like who rightly, I think you put it in such a beautiful way. You said that he's playing a game with you knowing that he has all the 52 cards with him and so he's not asking you whether he can sell to you right he's saying that i make the rules i'm going to play whatever cards i have and you're going to have to play with me according to that and that's why i think this contrasting theory with how two completely different people or institutions go about marketing. I think Apple's the same way, right? Apple has such a strong sense of brand loyalty that even if you... It's, it's kind of like brainwashed, right? Like you're, you you have brainwashed an entire ecosystem of people to do whatever you say is right. And, and I think it's so interesting how Apple, up until iPhone ten had an LCD screen. When the entire world was talking about OLED and AMOLED and, like, all these crystal clear displays of, you know, insane technology. But up until the iPhone Ten, you had LCD screens. I used to, I remember watching an LCD screen when I was back in, like, the third grade, uh, fourth grade. I think that's when LCD scre- screens came out. Um But this is... I I don't know how people do this. I don't know how how you can... Is it... I think it's borderline insanity plus a lot lot of courage to believe in your own idea to be able to advertise it in a way that you have control over
1: how you do it. This is so great. A lot of people and a lot of marketing majors, I think, still don't know this. Um, When you bring up Apple having LCD screens, we've had... uh, we've Manan and I and a lot of our friends have had mad m- massive discussions over this Apple and Android um, Apple and Android uh, uh, debate. We've had mad discussions over them but marketing in marketing the best product never wins. A lot of companies a lot of startups their crux is that we'll generate this, deliver this best product that the world has never seen, and we'll be the best, and we'll become a multi-billion-dollar company, and that's why they fail. So it's it's not about the best product; it's about the best, uh, best reflection of the product. It's how it's the best. It's how the audience perceives your product. So, companies have generated, like Apple, have a, have a very good image, brand image. So even though all these companies come up with a very, very good product, they still can't win. And uh, here is when I want to speak to you about uh, L- Lindbergh. Do you know who Lindbergh is? No, tell me. This person crossed um, the... The Atlantic Ocean. Wait, is it the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah, the Atlantic Ocean solo for the first time alone. Now, a lot of, he's quite famous and a lot of people know about it. There's this other person called Hinkler. Hinkler was the second person to cross the Atlantic, uh, to cross the Atlantic Ocean alone. Does anyone know about it? Not really. But at the same time, he might argue. That I was the person who crossed it with minimal fuel, was a better, uh, was a better pilot, had a more efficient route. He did all the right things. Essentially, he delivered "quote unquote" the Predator product. But does he, does anyone know about him? No. I mean, it's funny that you don't even know about the first person, but <laughs> a lot of people do. But even though Hinkler was. Better objectively in any any and every way possible because he wasn't the leader It didn't matter So maybe And after Hinkler, I want to tell you there was a third person obviously who crossed the the ocean Her name was Erhard Amelia Erhard Amelia Erhard Yeah Heard See now her. you know about her Yeah Because she did not market herself or advertise herself as the third person ever to cross um, the Atlantic Ocean. But she advertised herself as the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. Thoughts? Yeah. um, Yeah,
0: I think this this brings me back to the point where I said it's so important to uh, really reflect and evaluate how we brand ourselves and i think there was an interesting study part i think that we we sort of read together and found out that michael i don't know how is it kaczynski M- uh, Michelle kaczynski K- kaczynski did a study at stanford university which said that the number of likes you have on your social media represents how well you can judge another person, right? And so with 10 likes, he found that you can judge another person as well as their co-worker. And uh, 150 likes, you can judge a person on social media as well as their mother. And 300 being the spouse. Um, and that just goes to show the impact that social media has on how we sort of present ourselves. And, the, and that's all great, but the issue is if you don't know yourself, well in this case if you don't know your product that well how can you ever have the capacity to portray it in a way that seems appealing to other people and so what's happening now is when you're on social media and when you are deleting posts and we talked about this in our uh, previous episode where nothing on be real is real I want to go one step further and connect it to whatever we said last time. It's like, if you don't know who you are and what you represent, then how can you ever appeal or be charismatic towards other people who are in your network? And it's so funny because you have the same person trying to live four different types of lives. One on Instagram, which is like a fun, outgoing sort of charismatic and appealing vibe. And then you have the same person posting on LinkedIn, which is a more professional, more articulate type of vibe. And then you have your quick snaps on B-Real or on Snapchat, which is completely chaotic or crazy. If you don't align certain characteristics in a product or in yourself and the way that you're expressing yourself, how can you ever connect with your, your audience?
1: I'm glad you bring up um, Kuzinski because those, the likes that you mentioned, I want to clarify that it's just the likes. So without even seeing the profile of the person or the person that they follow and are friends with, without that, just by the likes on the post that they see randomly, he's, uh, he's able to judge the person as well as their coworker, mother and spouse. Kuzinski also further goes um, and says, and I quote that our smartphones are a washed psychological questionnaire that we are constantly filling out. So let's let's shift gears a bit and I do 1,000 percent agree that our smartphones are a washed questionnaire that we're constantly figuring out. And these these big data companies at the backhand, they take all these, all the answers from the questionnaire. They generate and produce analysis, read them, make insights, and then advertise themselves onto us, which then shifts the way we think, shifts the way we fill the questionnaire. That new set of answers on the questionnaire goes back to those big firms who then advertise you differently and so on. So it's a it's a very dynamic learning model so internet and online advertising is such a huge market and what do you think of any first thing of google give me give me give me a word information
0: and google adsense ad yeah the google ads pretty much
1: yeah so well, that was not what I was expecting. But a lot of people, when I say speak of Google, they think search engine. They think uh, YouTube. Yeah. They think the Pixel phones. But rarely ever people think about ads. And it's so amazing to think that Google is such a giant corporation. And recently, though, they've gotten into the hardware business of making the watches and everything. Their primary business is advertising. But who thinks of Google as an advertising company? Everyone thinks of Google as a, as this search engine that just gives you answer. It gives you information, as you said. Yeah. And the space in the internet that there's so much room for advertising, in my opinion, is because there is a lot of fun stuff on the internet. There's YouTube. There's there's uh, tiktok there's instagram there's there's so much content there's every book you ever had there's there's so much fun things to do on the internet that companies needed some way to monetize it some way to fund for it there's chat gpt which how do you think it makes money it's literally making no money right now how will they how do they how do they make a revenue and sustainable business model out of this? Is by advertising. So every giant company that has a very strong online presence has come to the conclusion that okay, in order to make money, we need to sell these pastures something. Yeah, and that is why online advertisement has such uh, has become such a big business. It's it's become a way for us to fund the internet.
0: Absolutely, and I think. The rise of YouTube as an application where artists and content creators can put their work and share their work online can only be sustainable and sustained through advertisements. And I think Amazon does this as well, right? Amazon has AWS, which pretty much brings most of their revenue in. And AWS has so much investment at stake in terms of, trying to get companies to use amazon web services as a platform through which they do the advertising and branding now the caveat is we know that you need some amount of sustainable funding to promote continuing to do or ex- experiencing fun things on the internet like you said you need you need ads for youtube you need ads for spotify uh, you to sustain Spotify. Um, How do we make sure that the experience of using these applications is not distorted by the overuse of advertising? While we know that this is what is needed to sustain having fun online or experiencing art online, How do we, because recently, I don't know if you've noticed, but YouTube has been going off on trying to advertise YouTube TV or other packages that remove advertisements for you. So, how do you think we can combat this problem?
1: In a world where we want no online ads to exist in a world where we don't need to see those 30 second ads before our youtube videos or or learn about spotify premium or 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 any other amazon ads while we're surfing an article that world can exist but will exist provided that we find another way for internet to be funded And run its operations so coming back to the previous argument that i made was that internet is using ads to fund itself now collectively let's find a way to fund internet differently let's think of donations as an example wikipedia if you now go several times it asks for donations and it it, it posts um, a very uh, a, a short a short message, but very touching and very emotional, seeing um, how Wikipedia started out, what it what it does, and what has done to your life. And then in the end, it says, "If you think Wikipedia has given you two dollars worth of information, please um, please think about donating." So Wikipedia is, in my opinion, one of those companies that does not want to succumb to this this advertising and feeding consumerism into their audience type of company. And if we collectively make donations and fund and form switches to this donation model, that is the only way that ad free internet can exist.
0: It's so interesting. You say that I think another good
1: example to this type of model would be
0: Khan Academy. Khan Academy solely exists uh, through sustained amounts of charities provided by the users. Um, The founder Sal Khan believes in educating the world for free. But that leads me to ask, Parv, if you were the creator of such a profound type of technology such as Google or ChatGPT, for example, how could you would there be a scope where you could advertise these products that were previously made free? Because we know how indispensable Google is to our life. How indispensable ChatGPT would be in the future. Could you monetize these and still advertise them as the products that they were meant to be?
1: That is very true. When you say that Google and and YouTube and these other companies have become indispensable that we as consumers just can't let go of them. That is one of the biggest ways that companies have used to advertise and market themselves. Let's talk about Jio and India. Jio is a mobile network in India that started out fairly recently by this amazing businessman called Mukesh Ambani what they did in the beginning pre launch pre revenue not pre launch post launch pre revenue they gave out everyone free sim cards you have to do absolutely nothing just show up to your show up to a mobile um, a mobile phone store with your uh, um, with your identity it can be a government issued identity and take a sim card with that sim card you get to make unlimited calls And you get unlimited access to the internet at at 4G speeds. So it's about getting audience hooked to the internet. And hooked to the idea of internet and the idea of of connection to the world. And with this idea, every single Indian who had never even thought they needed the, the internet came to the access of internet at zero cost and got hooked to it. Now they love watching YouTube all of a sudden. Now they love just going through internet, reading articles that don't even matter to their lives. And now after six, seven months of this whole, uh, whole charade and shenanigans that went on with Jio, they say, all right, well, you guys have had your time, time to pay up. I want you to give me money for this now. You can still have this or you can get rid of your sims. I couldn't really care less but now give me money for the same service if you want it and now jio has become such a such a such a inher such a inherit inherent part of their lives that they can't just let go of it and that is how jio became jio and is now a very very successful mobile network company and just like jio the other advertisers on the internet they're fighting for our time advertising companies on the internet are fighting for people's attention they're fighting for how long they can make someone see an ad maybe click through the ad they're all fighting for attention people's eyes so manan at this point i think we're ready for me to introduce to you and the rest of the listeners to A wonderful, I wouldn't say wonderful, to a business model might be a little not wonderful. Um, A business model that I thought of recently. Go on. If everyone is fighting for attention, then let's grab attention with other costs. So it's a restaurant chain model. I want you to think of a restaurant, and on the restaurant there's ads. In the restaurant, there's just ads. There's a lot of ads about several different things. In the restaurant, you get food, but you don't pay for the food. You're paying with your attention to the ads. So now, you walk into the restaurant, you look at the ads, and maybe you scan a couple of ads, you surf through the pages, and the more you do that, the more expensive foods you can have. Now, there's a lot of loopholes. For example, people whose time is not as important or that the people who are not even the kind of audience for their advertisement. For example, a lot of people who are not smart enough to or able enough to have mobile phones or the access to the internet, but still just go there to look at the ads and then eventually come out with a free meal. So then let's have... Uh, let's have a type of restaurant that only students can come into. For example, on campus, every student... It's a it's a good assumption that every student has access to the internet and is has an independent checkings account and can make purchases freely or relatively freely. So then they walk into the restaurant And there's this plethora of ads that they just see. And for that, they get free food. And the more time they stay, the more food they get. What do you think of this idea?
0: I think it's an interesting and an innovating way to captivate or rather force captivate uh, your audience's attention. I feel like the only thing that would Keep me from sort of investing in this sort of idea would be that if I am a company who wants to present my uh, my ads at your restaurant, I want it to be done in a way that's exclusive. I want it to be done in a way that's not shared. And I would want to be done in a way where I can connect to the specific type of customer that is exclusive right? I don't want to be sharing. If I was Burger King and if my friend was McDonald's and we both would be approaching to your restaurant asking for a separate ad that could be displayed there in exchange for food for customers. I would not want to share my space, my environment, my price, my whatever it is that I would want to advertise, my product next to A rival competitor's product. And so there would be some amount of conflict and interest. Secondly, people could do anything to get a product. And like we know, there are no free lunches served. So how would you ensure that that customer is not just engaging with your ads for the sake of your services and not really understanding or being immersed in what
1: the company has tried to offer i say that's the that's on the ad creators when when these company goes out go, when a company like say mcdonald's or burger king goes out to these ma- these massive um, advertising agencies and companies that that then hire artists to produce commercials and think of flyers and ads for them they have to be creative enough for people to know exactly what you're talking about. For example, let's think about Maza. When I think of Maza, everyone thinks of Katrina Kaif in a very sexy way, eating a mango, but it drips all over her. And, I think that's slice. It, oh, that's slice. Sorry. That, yeah, I think that slice. is <laughs> slice. Um, slice and mango drips all over her in a very seductive way. But then, oh, here's a solution. Here's a mango in a bottle. So it's very catchy, and then uh, while while uh, while seeing the documentary of the Pepsi I was talking about, there's a very um, there's a very um, a very iconic Pepsi ad that went viral with this very beautiful looking lady that was and she was sipping on Pepsi, and that is a very iconic ad. So these ads that will be presented in the restaurant have to be engaging enough in themselves. Because the restaurant will not make the ads, they will be a place to show the ads. It's like a big holding board. a uh, big big holding board. You can put whatever you want, but it needs the, the the quality of the ad is what you can make of it as a company. And even if even if the person sitting in the restaurant is not engaging in the ad the way that the company that put the ad wanted them to, even if they do not let's say there's a Nordstrom ad. And the and the person sitting in the restaurant while they eat. They they don't interact with the ad or don't go to the website. But it's on their mind. And eventually when they go out to a fellow to a fellow peer or someone else, there's there's still not room in their head. And we previously in in this podcast only talked about the word of mouth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If there's if there was a McDonald's ad and if they would think of McDonald's because of the ad and then a friend just says oh shit, I'm very hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm out for a quick snack. What should I get? They might just say McDonald's. So this is my uh, answer to your question.
0: I guess that's satisfactory. And I think you make some really good points. Um, I think one last thing that I'd like to talk about would be the fact that sometimes it is difficult for for. Companies to advertise their products in a certain way. Um, and this leads me to just briefly touching on the fact that, for example, Starbucks found it so difficult to integrate in Asian countries. Um, and that's because not only because tea is more of like commonly uh, consumed in Asian countries and coffee is, but sure, that's one aspect of it. But mainly because they could not imbibe the cultures and values in the products that they were selling. They could not imbibe in their practices and traditions. So one final thought that I would like to leave to our listeners is how can you make sure, and this is for people and for products, that you are trying to be authentic and trying to be as genuine as possible with how you present yourself or your product in a way that's appealing, but also not in a way that is manipulative to our consumers, to people who view us as someone totally different than who we represent. How can we achieve this fine balance between staying who we are and staying true to our values without manipulating others or portraying a totally distorted version of ourselves just so we can be charismatic or appealing? So with that, we hope that you have had a good time listening to our podcast and
1: we hope that you in, keep coming back for more. So the next time you see that ad of that shiny new Mercedes or that refreshing new drink that just came from another YouTubers or that amazing new iPhone, think, is it just a big corporate marketing scheme and agenda? Or is it something that you really want before you buy it? Thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure talking to you.